Roger, roger. Roger, roger. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Roger, Roger. As always, I'm Derek. This is Charles here, guys. Super excited to be talking about some greater sci-fi movie magic here today. Yeah, we're going old school. Not that, you know, the original trilogy isn't, but we are avoiding Star Wars today. We are talking about 2001, A Space Odyssey, a legendary sci-fi film. And we're not doing it on our own today, Derek. Yeah, exactly. Joining us today is our editor, Jacob. Hello, everyone. I'm back again. Yeah. (laughs) Super excited to talk about uh, this movie. It's Trip. Yes. Yeah. A Trip for sure. And uh, yes, Jacob, welcome back. This is our first. Is this our first non-Star Wars discussion? I think it is. As a group, I think so. I came sure. in on the only other time on... we've done this was Blade Runner, and I know that Derek and I did that solo. So, oh. here we are. We're talking about another movie as part of our ongoing efforts to broaden our horizons, if you will, to evolve the show into a greater sci-fi discussion (laughs) podcast. Way to tie it in. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. And that's why we're here today to talk about 2001, A Space Odyssey, directed by legendary director, filmmaker, Stanley Kubrick. (laughs) Gosh. Yeah. So, um, I don't know if we talked about this on the show or if it was in our Discord, but I found out that Charles and Jacob have not seen 2001 A Space Odyssey. I've seen it uh, multiple times, so I forcibly it's fine. insisted it's fine. <laughs> that we watch it and talk about it. I don't think we mentioned it on the show. I don't think you we think mentioned it, yeah. this movie at all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, it's true. I haven't seen it anyway. I, I knew... Just through absorbing popular culture, I recognize mm-hmm. a lot of the references. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everyone dun, knows that. Dum, 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 dum. Yeah, so dun, I, dum, I've, dum. I'm familiar with myself with that. The pod bay doors, the cutting to the astronaut, like freaking out as he's going into the black hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've familiarized myself with the references, but I had never seen the movie. And I don't know what I was expecting going in, but it wasn't what I saw. And we can get into that. Yeah, no, I was expecting, I mean, like, I, because, uh, I, I, I mean, I, I don't think I've seen too many of Kubrick's films. Um, but, like, I wasn't expecting just the sheer amount of, I don't know, silence? Yeah. There's <laughs> something like 80 minutes of, like, non-dialogue in the movie yeah, Which is and a lot. and the thing is, the uh, the original writer for the for the novel actually uh, wrote the script as well. Ah, that's interesting. What was it a novel first or was it a movie first? I'm actually no, it was a, it, was it was a, a novel book first, first, yeah, because they changed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they changed some of the uh, details. Yep. Yeah. Have you seen? Yeah, this would be hard Jacob, to do Have you seen um, The Shining? No. Oh man, that's one of my favorite movies, <laughs> and that's Stanley Kubrick as well. It's a uh, fantastic. Wasn't that one a like, horror one? It is a horror yeah. movie. Yeah. I don't. Okay. Okay. Here's <laughs> the thing. I don't do horror movies, and that's because like I, if I feel scared, I'm gonna pick things apart. Like I picked the, I picked this movie apart mm-hmm. simply because it's cool. But like if it's a horror movie, I will pick apart like lighting and everything else so that I just <laughs> had don't focus on it. <laughs> if you're ever in the mood, you know October is rapidly approaching and you're looking for something spooky, that's a good one because imagine like 
the horror it's version of tomorrow. the movie that we just watched. Yeah, it's, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. By the time this airs, so yeah, it'll be yeah. upon us. But we're not here to talk about that today. One of my favorite movies, <laughs> but it's not sci-fi. Uh, we're, we're here to about talk about 2001: Space Odyssey, right there. Yes, we are. And uh, to start off, well, actually, we could talk about the silence later. Going with uh, what you guys just said, the first dialogue moment of dialogue is actually 23 minutes into the movie. That's mm-hmm. insane. Yeah, it's long. It, it, yeah, no, it is a long time for uh, someone to not be talking yeah. because and 41 could... minutes before we actually get any plot. I mean, that's hitting like Wally levels. <laughs> right? Oh wow! <laughs> Another sci-fi movie there. <laughs> <laughs> how much? Uns- how many minutes of unspoken dialogue was in Wally? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's fair. They took a lot yeah. of uh, 2001 notes. Yeah. Oh, they definitely did. And I didn't mind at all, by the way, in this movie. I, I, it, I was totally okay with the lack of dialogue in this. Mm-hmm. It, it, mm-hmm. it kept me enraptured just from how clean the whole movie looked. It was like pristine and looked fantastic. Yeah. That is, oh, so, yeah. yeah. It it holds up so well. the The practical effects, it like for some reason, it looks. I mean, it, the whole film holds up. It looks clean. It looks pristine. It looks the HD remaster looks amazing. I don't understand how the movie actually looks that good, filmed in 1968. I just don't. I don't I'm understand. Shot how. on film and all in camera, <laughs> practical effects, effects, miniatures, like, very uh, little paintings. In, in, yeah. Like yeah, the only way you can, and it's it's that's what really stuck out for me is like how visionary of a director Stanley had to be to be able mm-hmm. to understand the longevity of this because when you're trying to predict technology and sci-fi, I, I know like reading through all the trivia for this movie and stuff, he was agonizing over some of these choices like how do I show aliens, how do I show right. time travel, space, and he consulted with all these people, but even from a movie making perspective, mm-hmm. he was you could tell he was trying really hard to make it as future proof as possible in 1968, we hadn't even right. been on the moon yet, <laughs> yeah, although there are theories the that, you know, when, yeah, we, when they faked yeah, the moon landing, they used the um, footage that was cut from this God. movie to to show that. All right. No, because All this right. looks better than the moon landing footage. Kind of, I mean, I mean, yeah, no, it kind of, it kind of does, but it, but no, like, and then even the uh, the idea of like using a video telephone, yeah, was well, I mean, before it was just what hung on the wall, back you know back then, and it was like, oh, I'm just gonna video you know call my family it's mm-hmm. like now we we can do that today we could you know we we had that what 10 years ago before one of the first time yeah. stuff like that and, and they were tablets and now yep and that's actually one of the few things that didn't hold up because i mean obviously the idea does but the pay phone mm-hmm. you know we all have it on phones now i mean not in 2001 but so that's actually a pretty good time frame he had but besides the pay phone video booth and um, I think Pan Am still in, uh, still being a thing. <laughs> it was very much like the Jetsons kind of yeah. that talking. It wasn't like tell your mother that I called. It's like why don't you just right, text yeah. her? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. the great visionary that you are. Like she should have her own mm-hmm. mini one in her pocket. <laughs> right. Yeah. No kidding. He's supposed to go into the living point. room and set up the payphone version. <laughs> well, he could only think so far ahead. But all of the like space stuff, the ships, like docking. Uh, mm-hmm. The look of compartmentalized uh, space stations, like the future of 
um, like inter uh, not intergalactic inter interstellar no that's the other Intersto- intersolar i guess would it be there we go yeah. that, that that's that's accurate but like the kind of ship you would use for long space travel that's the kind that and i honestly think you could today. reuse these sets and costumes today mm-hmm. and it, it, you could it would make still it work. look fine you, you could you could Absolutely. make a convincing movie the spacesuits are a little 60s, but they're not like hokey 60s. <laughs> and that, the hat no. of like the stewardesses where right. it's like this bulbous oh, like, yeah, toad no, head. That, oh, that was so... <laughs> I was like, okay, that wouldn't make... But, I, I, I but, was actually yeah, thinking, no, I hope I that mean, comes back in style. That hat's pretty bomb. I like it. <laughs> Although one, one thing one thing I will criticize about that about the space helmet thing, why does it look like it, have, it has eyes on the top? Like it has like... It, <laughs> did, yeah. did anyone else pick that it up? Has, it like, looked like an eye cinema. Yeah. And I was confused. I was like, I'm sure I don't there was like something it. to it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, like, I mean, the, yeah, to make the audience think, oh, they're aliens, not astronauts. I Maybe. guess I don't know. Be- I mean, th- around this time, I think there was a lot of science fiction novels, books coming out, and the thought of space travel was big. I think at, around the time, or oh, a little huge, bit earlier. Yeah, yeah um, and we're coming off of a popular culture sci-fi trend from like the '50s that was almost like. It was kind of sexy, and it was also like these like horror elements. It was a different kind of a science fiction movie, and I and I've researched like Stanley Kubrick when he was making this movie. He's like, I don't want to make that kind of science fiction movie, and he right. pushed very hard to make a more like cerebral science based taking a more seriously approach to science fiction rather than like oh it's a monster and and Mm -hmm. and you got to get the girl at the end yeah and i think a lot of this the science aspects of it do hold up too because this is it's very dry they show a lot of like docking and how something slowly leaves the spaceship and goes up and then they show everything in such detail and slowly space travel isn't like flying around in star wars i know that wasn't a thing yet but it all was super (laughs) accurate and that is impressive and uh kind of ballsy to do i think i think that's what kubrick wanted he wanted to show how realistic space travel would be and the fact that he used what is it the nutcracker i think that that little dun 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 it's like a whole ballet mm-hmm. uh scene because real space travel would be a finely crafted ballet to yeah. to you know uh, uh beginning the beginning landing scene um the the space station is moving number one to simulate gravity which is cool right. um and and number and the uh incoming ship has to match its rotation in order to effectively land yep so it has to spin in concert, eventually land. And the thing is, if you're off by, you know, let's say an, uh, a mar- uh, an error of 10 degrees, <laughs> you know, of, you know, of rotation, you're not getting in. Right. <laughs> and he nailed all of that. Even the um, something that permeates into video games even nowadays is the audio signal. I'm not sure if NASA actually uses it, but it's popular culture does of when something is docking and getting closer to like the landing pad. It goes beep, 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 beep. You know, it kind mm. of and that kind of oh, okay. increases, increases and in kind of the flat lines. That's something that like modern video games use it's like this the inf- the influence of some of the ideas in here are just astounding and i think 
a lot of science fiction that we know today would not exist. And I'm sure other people have said that a thousand times if it wasn't for this movie, even though I believe Star Trek, the original series came out the year before. Hmm. I, I yeah, and I was, even yeah. see like with movies like Interstellar, like, I can see the the effect that this movie's had on movies like that, which only came yep. out you came out this within the past decade. So it's like, yeah, this movie has persisted over fifty years and has oh, managed yeah. to keep everything intact. Now I do have the definitive okay, which movie went longer without a line of spoken dialogue? Two thousand and one uh, a space odyssey or Wally? <laughs> Who wants to cast their oh, votes? we needed to know. I have All the right, answer. Let, let me think. Let me think. Yeah, let me yeah. I'll tell you it's very close within minutes. Ooh, okay, I have so. to say, my guess is Wally. Okay, then I'll then I'll be the devil's advocate and say mm-hmm. uh, Space Odyssey. So the movie with the more minutes of Uh-oh. unspoken dialogue in the beginning is 2001: A Space Odyssey with 25 wow. minutes. Wally was 22. 22. Okay. But the first human dialogue begins 39 minutes into the movie for Wally. But you know, oh, what does Wally make a sound? Yeah, it's Wally and uh, Eve talk to each other and stuff. Okay, maybe. It, uh, yeah. Okay. But the first, but do they speak English? I like, think they do. He's like, Wally. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, know. <laughs> I guess that counts. We'll have to go back they, and watch that next time. Of, <laughs> yeah. They kind of speak English. It's, it was Eve going first. Mm-hmm. I think it was it was like plants or something like that. Yeah, then, it's a word. Counts, I yes. guess. It counts. We're going to say 22 <laughs> it's minutes. dialogue? <laughs> <laughs> so there we go, guys. It's still a record that is, that is pretty, pretty high up there. And it, uh, it, it, it pays off. Like, I didn't miss it at all. Yeah, so um, we could talk about, we kind of talked about visuals a little bit, um, practical effects. We could talk about that a little later. But um, I, I guess it's not first impressions anymore, but from two guys who haven't seen it, um, <laughs> what I know neither, Charles had no idea going in what the movie was going to be. Um, Jacob, did you just kind of... I had like a little bit it? of an idea. Um, oh, I absolutely loved it. Like, uh, like I said, I had somewhat of an idea. I knew that I knew about the Hal robot. I knew that you know at some point it's going to do something. Right. I just didn't expect it to be so late in the movie, right, uh, given yeah. how much popularity um, it, ha- it it he has, I guess. Um, uh, but I absolutely love the movie. I love the way that it was filmed. I love the way that everything was used. Um, and even though it you know can be convoluted at times or like you know why this scene why that scene mm-hmm. um i th- you know i think i think what what i liked the most actually was surprisingly the length of time used in those space scenes like oh, yeah. just what just watching those was just magical to watch yeah half yeah. the movie more than half the movie was had no dialogue in it which is awesome mm-hmm. and the dialogue that we did get was you know short delivered very you know evenly there was no melodrama it was about professional it. yeah it, it was it wasn't like open the pod bay doors hell it was just like mm-hmm. open the pod bay doors hell <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know no, and, and and that's and that's one thing i kind of want to talk about whenever we get to hal mm-hmm. yeah. yeah we'll get to <laughs> and, then compa- and, then, and then comparison to people Mm-hmm. Because that that's a that's a fun topic. Yeah, it, but it it's it's no surprise that all of us liked the movie. Um, but I, I do want to bring out that this is that kind of movie that when it came out, people just did not get. And I have prepared a few quick little blurbs from big publications that <laughs> the oh, released part, sure. that released uh, reviews before the movie came out. 
And so you have, let's see here, we have somewhere between hypnotic and immensely boring. That's the New York Times. <laughs> That's the New York Times. A monumentally unimaginative movie. What? That's from Harper's. Unimaginative? That's Space insane. Odyssey fails no. most gloriously. That's from Newsday. Uh, big, beautiful, but no. plotting sci-fi epic, superb photography, major asset to confusing, long, unfolding plot from Variety. So that's some of the scathing reviews this movie was facing before it even came out. And and I think in the box office, it even struggled at first to gain any mm-hmm. momentum. It wasn't until all I those teenagers it. started coming yeah. to check out the end of the movie. <laughs> the, um, <laughs> under the influence in, of certain sure. things. Yeah. But uh, yeah. <laughs> that that maybe brought it back. And then, of course, nowadays oh, we, gosh, we, yeah. we praise it as as a work of art. And yeah, I, I, I thought it was a great movie, too. I was really interested in it. not Not only from like what is happening right now just to the appreciation of the craft watching it today knowing that it was made a year before we even landed on the moon in 1968 Mm -hmm. you're like wow this movie is is so visionary in so many ways not just the fact that it's a sci-fi movie Mm -hmm. but from a filmmaking perspective and i just yeah i thought the movie was great and was it long and and weird and yes but, but i never <laughs> thought it was boring or plotting. it definitely it, is it was it was captivating you know you're like mm-hmm. what, what what is happening right now yeah. it reminds me of mm-hmm. that scene in uh, uh in rick and morty where they're watching the commercials and the commercial just like keeps going and the guy like gets in his car and drives and they're just like wait wait wait, wait. i gotta see where this goes you know it's yeah. kind of like me watching this movie it's like stop, stop stop i have to see what's happening right now it's like mm-hmm. these monkeys are like pushing each other they're like sleeping together they're fighting over water like i need to see all of this <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. with no dialogue and even the panorama shots of just like the land or the when they get to the moon the little speeder going over the uh and you could see like the grains in the crack the real sand that they mm-hmm. use because it's all miniature it just i mean and yeah. you, you don't miss and you don't miss music you don't miss dialogue and when there is music it's very fitting but even mm-hmm. when it's just like um, Dave breathing and a couple of beeps. It it's immersing. It's crazy. Mm, mm. It is, and that and that I think also. Um, and I, we uh, because we're going all with sound and all that other stuff. I mean, this movie uses silence so well, better than and anything then, I've ever seen. And then all and then all of a sudden, okay, uh, um, volume warning for people. There, it's right there. <laughs> I meant to have it louder, but it's fine. Um, but. But it all of a sudden sounds there, mm-hmm. like you know, and or that that or all of a sudden or or it's music and then it's mm-hmm. nothing. Yeah, and when it's and music, it's this big classical score too, mm-hmm. or it's this like cerebral <sighs> unsettling, <laughs> uh, dissonant. And they're not afraid to, hey, we're going to bust your speakers open with some classical music or with this really, turn this down because your neighbors are going to be like, what the heck's going on over there? That's creepy. What ritual and demons are they summoning next door? (laughs) I'm looking through the window. There's a weird monolith on the TV. We're moving. But I mean, some chanting and it just goes off the wall. And it's, it's so fitting, too. You know, yeah, it really makes it like an epic when you have when mm-hmm. you invoke that classical music and those intense scores. 
and you 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 back that up with these humongous visuals like you're trying to show the scope of human evolution by showing this the whole planet in in context of like a, an embryo you're like what is happening right now you know so yeah, it, no, it's a very exactly ambitious film was. and it delivers on its ambition which i think is a very mm-hmm. hard thing to do with sci-fi it's like so i feel like so many modern movies were being shown stuff and they expected to buy in that it's cool and epic and all of that but i feel like that's right. actually a very hard thing to pull off convincingly as, at least for me anyway as a, as a movie goer but this movie it, it paid off and for something that was made 50 years ago it paid off and I, i'm just you know i'm very paid off by better it. than most movies nowadays <laughs> mm-hmm. sure you know what i mean yeah which is nuts and i just i was checking my notes for a couple of things while we're still on like a broader topic they nailed space tourism 50 years ago <laughs> with pan am like great i had you know um mm-hmm. what else a very realistic view of space travel. I already talked about that. Oh, Dragon Ball Z definitely stole the s- spaceship design for um, the <laughs> Capsule Corp. Oh, on leaving oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and Goku's yeah. training yeah. on his way I mean, to Namek. Not yeah. stole, but like, you know, it is an homage. Inspired by. Sure. Heavily borrowed. <laughs> Bar- yeah, I mean, for sure. Interesting. But those were, um, you know, and then exotic pets becoming more of a thing. Like the little girl asked for a, a bush baby, mm-hmm. which might have been like some sort of callback that I didn't get to like the apes or Cabbage something. Cabbage Patch Kids? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No, it did a good job. I'm trying to think of what else was going on in there. But it was... Well, we could talk a little plot if you want. Sure. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, we start off with just... The, the movie is categorized into three sections, I believe. It's the Dawn of Man, um, 18 years later, the Jupiter mission, and then Jupiter and Infinity, something like that. I have them written down when we get to down there. Mm-hmm. And Dawn of and Man... Then of course I, oh, sorry. And then, of course, it has the, that intermission, which is very um, play kind of... play uh, mm-hmm. Stage play kind yeah. of based. Mm-hmm. It's, it's I kind of like... Oh, I thought it was a good idea, too. But if you're going to have a movie that's over two hours long, let's just consider it. (laughs) It's nice, yeah. But then they don't, like, turn the lights up or anything. It just starts going, again, (laughs) before the the next part of the movie starts. Probably just a cue for the theater to do that. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) Instead of, uh, (laughs) what, Monty Python and the Holy Grail has an interesting intermission. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Um, now, everyone, you may refresh your drinks and grab more popcorn. Yeah, let's all go to the lobby. Ex- <laughs> let's all go to the lobby where we can get some snacks. <laughs> I don't think I would be if I saw this in the theaters for the first time. I don't think I would have touched my popcorn. I think I would have been holding it and just been like, "Oh, I forgot to eat this the entire time." <laughs> I feel like if that commercial came movie. on right after the intermission, you'd all you'd you'd have to laugh because of just like. The juxtaposition of it would be yeah of mm-hmm. imagery there. Is like, what is happening? Just put like just put like the modern day like Coke commercials of like of like the Coke pouring over ice. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. exactly. For some reason, hi, just I'm like, Sophia Menounos. It's like no, <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, yeah, no, it's true. The intermission was interesting. I thought the whole thing was interesting. It, it made me want to look more into. The plot, because when you said you were getting into the mm-hmm. plot, I'm like, man, this is an ambitious guy over here talking about the plot to this movie. But 
The well, mo- we could talk about like what happens in the movie and then try <laughs> yeah. to talk about because the there is the idea of go. these artifacts that monoliths, monoliths yeah, yeah, monoliths that are basically the triggers for breakthroughs in human evolution, something like that, mm-hmm. and like the race to find them and hit that next level of of human evolution. And so there was those mm-hmm. pieces about it that I that. I had to kind of piece together after watching the movie. I was like, okay, I kind of get that. Like, I understand mm-hmm. it. I'm with you. I'm following. Yeah. yeah. I have like, I, I, I don't know what this relates to in. Oh, oh, you've got notes. <laughs> I got oh my notes. goodness. <laughs> I have a page that I can easily see and not scroll. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so, you know, we start with the, there's a perfect segue, Charles. So we start with the apes. Um, or you know they're not really apes they're like you know hominids or mm-hmm. before Homo sapien really but um, we could call them that for sake of ease okay. and um, you, they see the monolith for the first time and that the first spark is tool use basically and then before then we don't see we see the uh, the leopard kill but we don't see any of the pre-humans kill mm-hmm. and that first step is murder which i think is a running theme throughout the movie it's killing and murder and how does that actually affect human nature and does that was that necessary to get to the next step is that a th- i think there's something mm-hmm. there too yeah it's this idea of one is hunting circle of life food chain all that the mm-hmm. other there's this um, emotional component there's this um, you know sub- there's this human nature a moment where we do things like we covet we are greedy we are angry mm-hmm. we're wrathful yeah and and it's like this idea that okay well we, we've touched the monolith we've hit that next level of evolution and it causes us to use tools but then right away we we use that tool to kill somebody not for food just for for power and, and to, yeah, and we and see that territory. you know come full circle with Hal, which we don't have to get into right now. But mm-hmm. just remember this scene when we talk about Hal, and now we're exploring the human condition as it is through like smart mm-hmm. AI technology. Right. So when you can, like, you can see how it's not just applying to humans. There's this other element that is a really classic sci-fi trope of like oh, how yeah. far does technology advance until it becomes sentient and says don't turn me off then what do you do you know that right. kind of thing yeah. so it's, it's it's interesting to see that forming here at the beginning fear mm-hmm. I believe is also a huge uh, plays a huge role in this movie starting with oh, the it apes definitely does. Yeah, starting with the apes again you have them afraid of the jaguar or leopard or whatever it was mm-hmm. then you have them afraid of a, the thunder or the mm-hmm. jaguar outside then you have them afraid of the more advanced apes you know the ones mm-hmm. with the tools with the power and mm-hmm. I think that keeps going throughout the movie and we can get to that yeah, where I think that picks up I'm afraid again. I'm afraid yeah. right. mm. absolutely that that was a very moving scene. I didn't realize and that that happened. Uh, I, 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 I I knew the open the pod bay doors thing, but the scene where he's literally like I, pulling out all the memory banks, all the servers, yeah. and he's like, "I'm afraid, I can feel it." And I'm like, "Oh, dang, I, I am afraid." <laughs> well, am don't afraid. jump too far ahead. <laughs> okay. Don't God, jump too yeah, far no, ahead. We we'll should. Get there. We'll yeah. get there. So then we, You're you right. know, more right. We're still within uh, monkeys, monkeys killing stuff. We have a long way to go. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Slow shots, um, and then we jump to. Uh, you know, this is still in the Dawn of Man section. 
So that also implies something. Mm-hmm. Was up until two thousand one? Uh, is that still the dawn of man? Is that what this the like even from f- what was it four million years in the past to two thousand one? That whole age, uh, humanity is still in its infancy. It's not even in the second section yet, even though they've discovered it space travel. Makes, it it kind of makes sense because I think. I think like once they found that second one, they were no longer like there was a jump in terms of technology, in terms of either human evolution and ways of thinking. Because I think I think the first jump was the use of tools. And then the mm -hmm. second jump was like this seeking out new life and space travel. Like they found the they found the what was it called? The the. The monolith. The monolith. They found it on the moon, right? So right. Mm-hmm. that's like the next, and that was the big thing in the '60s was the space race, right? And it's like, oh, this is that's the next right. feat. That would make sense. This is the next feat of humankind, like going outside of our own world and into others. So right. I think that by the time that, we I, jump to that next oh. time period, they already had discovered it and had a whole lab around it and stuff. So I would say space travel and getting to the moon is the next mile marker for humanity's evolution yeah there's something i forgot what the name of the scale is but it's like a type one type two type three type four civilization Mm -hmm. and i believe that idea started in the 50s maybe maybe and when you play the game civilization that's how you win you 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 get to the moon (laughs) well i (laughs) for a scientific victory anyway (laughs) um the easiest one to do (laughs) but uh i think the type like you know type one is basically we're still a type one or maybe we're you know we're not it's on that scale we're still babies we're nothing yeah. we're not even type four is like you can i, I mean, think it takes it's like thousands and thousands of, of years millennia. Right? Yeah. so <laughs> we'll take what we got yeah, yeah so you know the there's the whole um ramping up to the plot where we get the dialogue a lot of slow shots on the um, space plane getting to mm-hmm. the moon they t- we get the floating pen which is awesome yeah that, that's mm-hmm. a cool scene yep yeah um, I, I, actually i was looking at it go actually try, i was trying to figure that one out because I, I i like to pick apart scenes i was like yep. okay how are they doing this is it string and wire like the uh, food tray was that was God awful. That, sorry, that was probably like the, the uh, that. Okay, the the floating food tray has to be the worst effect that that they had. Yeah. It, it was super cheesy. Do you it know just, how they did the pen? It's floating. <sighs> they did. They um they like glued it to a glass panel on a wire, so it was just on some clear glass on oh, a wire. Oh, that's kind of cool. and that's okay, why when that's you see her cool. grab it, she kind of like unstick. She makes this mm. movement. She's unsticking oh. it from the glass. I did not know that. It that's was in. Cool. A, I okay. had to research it. It was in a trivia scene, and that's kind of the magic of practical effects. It just captures your imagination enough that you're like, mm-hmm. I see there's a trick, but I like it, and I want to know more about it. And yeah. something about that yeah. in a science fiction movie, it it it's just a really good fit. But and the yeah. pen was seamless too. It looked great. It was. And they tried yeah. a whole like- bunch of fancier things. I think it's one of the like trivia things on IMDb where it's like, yeah, you know. Kubrick's specs team spent forever trying to get the pen effect to work and Kubrick got so frustrated that he just put it on glass on a wire and did and that. It the best. <laughs> he was like, it forget it. Yeah, that's the one they used. Another one I liked was where the stewardess 
um, walks up the wall. Mm, you could tell and there was I, some funny business going on the way she yeah, was walking. She was taking like all. these baby steps. Like, <laughs> well, it's because of the shoes. Yeah, yeah. well, the so board, Velcro shoes. So, so were the holding, Velcro yeah. shoes, but also um, because okay, so I'm guessing that you guys know how how they shot that. Yeah, I, I and I don't really. They moved the guessing, camera around, and, and she, she's she on like a treadmill. Place? Yep. It, it, oh. it, 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 it's basically one big circle. Yeah. What was it? So the, the actual yeah. set yeah, so, was a so, circle. So, the yeah, camera so, was so the moving part- in a circle and she was walking in play, like on this treadmill thing. And then mm-hmm. the way it the was. The set moved around her. Kind of. The yeah. camera moved around her and the set and the set moved around her to make it well, look like she cam- was. Yeah, the camera was fixed to the set, and yeah, then the, the set yeah, oh, yes, moved yes, around yes, to the set. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Okay, yes. Yeah. And, and, then, and then all and then all you have to do is just make sure that she that she stays vertical. Camera moves, and it looks like she's walking yeah. on the walls and <laughs> on top of the ceiling. And it's upside down. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good. In, 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 in which case, that's actually really cool because in you know probably in space you have no orientation of up, down, sideways, left, right, or you yeah. know you have left and right, but up and down have no meaning. Upside down has no meaning. Right. <laughs> right. It's and this idea of that, capturing no. the imagination of science fiction through practical mm-hmm. effects is just fun. And I think it was a clever way, using the Velcro shoes was a clever way to avoid the fact that in space, what they would really do is just kind of float around like they do in the uh, International Space Station. They wouldn't have, but there was no way they could film that at the time. It just was, it was not possible, I don't think, to do it really well. I I don't, yeah, to do it well would take a lot more money than what they had. And even then they went over budget. But Mm -hmm. like, I think the only way that we can really do it here on earth is um, take a plane, go up, go up in, go up in the air, have it free fall, yeah. <laughs> and then you simulate zero gravity. Yeah. CGI too, but like, it, maybe they could have done it in some way. But it was, it, it was a clever way to avoid such a daunting problem. I think. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And I like that. So we get a little of them blabbing. He, they ask about the epidemic, and that was a, we find out it was a cover story. Fast forward a little bit to um, what's his name? That, that that kind of actually was like very misleading for you know for, for uh, you the, haven't seen for, it for, for for people who haven't seen it because because whenever I was watching, it, I'm like, oh, is this like you know some you know space virus thing? You know, mm-hmm. are we gonna get space a, madness? A cro- oh, yeah. Are yeah. we going to get a cross with Alien that hasn't been made yet? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> For me, though? it was just kind of shocking to get all this this whole conversation. Like you, You've seen so much silence up until this point that they're having like a full-on business meeting. And you're like, what? what, what? what and yeah. it's so run-of-the-mill, mm-hmm. you know? And while everything around it is so... Un- otherworldly extravagant mm-hmm. you know it's even space the station. furniture yeah. looked you know looked you know oh this could be the, f- f- the yeah. furniture of the yeah, future they had the space toilet with really all the instructions <laughs> yeah oh god <laughs> which is that's real you know that's that's again i wanted to read that actually. i didn't pause it yeah <laughs> i want it i'll have to go back and do that <laughs> yeah there's a full but set the- of instructions on how to use the space toilet the next 10 Instagram posts are just the instructions of that. <laughs> it's important. You don't want to mess up. You don't want to be on the wrong gravity set setting when you're using one of those things. <laughs> no. Man. So then we have, um, his name is Haywood Floyd was the doctor. He 
um, make he's like oh i'm not at liberty to say then he gets out he goes um we get another another scene of him on the transport ship to the moon to the clavius crater floating space yep juice yeah i don't know Trey. <laughs> i mean get that classic effect and his gross like liquid corn <laughs> yeah. liquid. i've heard those are good i'm not 100 percent sure Maybe. But then he, uh, then we see the scene of them in like the war room, kind of updating everybody what's going on, what's really going on, you know, signing NDAs and stuff like that. And we get real plot, and that is what did I say? Forty-one minutes in, we start to get real mm-hmm. plot. Mm-hmm. That's that's impressive to do, you know. Oh yeah, no, and to and to be able to keep an audience there for that long too. I mean, like Charles said, I was fully enraptured in it. Uh-huh. You, yeah, you know, to be the dawn of the dawn of man, the use of tool, the use of tools, mm-hmm. all the way up to oh, what's really going on? Is it an epidemic? What you know? What did they actually find? You know that kind of stuff. It was really interesting. They kept they led the the audience along really well. Yeah, no, I think for such a oddly paced movie i think it was paced very well mm-hmm. um i can understand if you're not i understand Patient. why your average moviegoer would check out and not care i get it but mm-hmm. if you're interested in stuff like this or you're interested in a more artsy movie or a more uh, cerebral movie you are engaged throughout and then the f- when the dialogue actually starts like you said it's very engaging like oh this is interesting there's a epidemic what's going on and it's mm-hmm. you know and it ramps up in a very slow but um precise yeah. way yeah this movie is definitely a slow burn movie but it's very it does it still does it very well mm-hmm. it's not boring no no not at all and not creative i can't believe somebody said it wasn't creative this is one of the most creative what? movies i've ever seen <laughs> again you know? I, I, and again look the thing that i focused on was, was that it all is that most of the effects were done in camera on set mm-hmm. in production yeah. instead of the post production unreal and that and that's that takes a lot of creativity to pull that off to pull off models to look that good in front of a you know space in front of a back, uh, in front of a static background for some of the best model work i've ever seen if not the best mm-hmm. i mean star you know? wars <laughs> i i think no but i mean i this, think this the model work is better than star wars <sighs> Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's a hot yeah. take. <laughs> the model work in Star Wars is great. Everybody knows that. But this is so yeah. precise, so clean. It's, yeah. it's like you said, it's pristine. Something this movie about it, ages yeah. better than Star Wars does, for yeah. sure. <laughs> yep. And it was made 10 years before that. That's yeah. nuts. And it didn't yeah. even have all of George Lucas's, like, 30 years later CGI mm-hmm. touch-up. Uh, yeah, well, that edit. looks bad. The original Star Wars looks better than oh, that. Oh gosh! In my yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But, yeah. Mm. So let's. Uh, we, we get that scene. They're eating some sandwiches on the on the uh, transport, which is cool. We get a nice shot of the lunar surface, which is beautiful. The actual sand. Oh, yeah, I mentioned no, that is. before. Um, and it's just silent. The thing is just floating away. Floating I love by. that they're able to, through the use of just well-done craftsmen making matte backgrounds and miniatures, they're able to show things like a giant spacecraft floating through space or astronauts floating in space working on the outside of a spaceship. Because we would see yeah. something like Blade Runner, which was also a very ambitious movie 
but mm-hmm. they were trying to show things in they were trying to show like hover cars and giant right. dystopian urban areas and those effects even though the movie's like 20 years older or 10 years older um they they just don't younger. hold up as much and it it, yeah. it it just goes to show you like it's not only uh, like how you show something it, it's what you decide to show you understand and work within your limitations to create the most uh, future-proof thing you can think of. It reminds me of like the Lord of the Rings movies, where it's like you spend two years in pre-production, making everything by hand, doing all this makeup, all this Mm -hmm. armor, and everyone's different and unique, and you scout out all these huge locations and all these sets. It it pays off in a big way, and then it makes movies movies after it, like The Hobbit, where it was rushed and all done in a soundstage and whatever, get Mm -hmm. get dated way faster. And it, it... I, I can't think of a movie as old as this one that, that feels like so modern at the same time. Like I remember watching yeah. Psycho and that's 1960 and I love that. And I was surprised by how modern that felt, but it's so obviously an old movie. Right. <laughs> and this is only eight years later. Mm-hmm. And it's not that they had this technological breakthrough. That effect that you're talking about where the the woman was walking upside down, that was an effect that was first used with like Buster Keaton in the late 20s, right? In these silent yeah. movies. But it's, yep. it's just like... Hand-picking, <laughs> hand-picking your assets, putting them in the movie just right. It, 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 it's visionary is the only way to mm-hmm. describe it. Another big thing I think is that while – and I think Blade Runner is a great comparison because mm-hmm. the best parts of Blade Runner um, – not the best parts, the, the most future-proof and the best-looking effects or practical effects weren't the flying space cop cars. Those they were... practical effects were horrible. Oh, no. It looked like Bro, they, it looked they, like they were going to put cardboard around the golf cart was going to blow away with the breeze. Oh, yeah, no, it looked, <laughs> but, it looked bad. Yeah, it was the realistic ones where they like a car was retrofitted with future technology in like the slummy area. That mm. looked real. That looked like something that could exist. And um, 2001 did not try to do stylized future they tried to do this is literally what the future is going to look like not like star trek which um is like this what the future we hope it looks like or it's not this is the cyberpunk future this Mm. is the this is what the future is based on all the experts this is what it's actually going to look like and they nailed it right Mm -hmm. and that's why i think that also yeah adds to why it's future proof because you look at so much 60s science fiction and it's it's just not like this yeah no like old science fiction can be so horribly corny and cheesy and like oh Mm -hmm. the future of space like we're all going to fly into space on vacation have your vacation home (laughs) on the moon and then you're like okay okay like I've seen like Tomorrowland in Disney World, for example. You know, it's like okay, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> yep. And, but that has a charm to it. I do like that. It stuff. has a charm, but it's very retro. Yeah. It, oh it, yeah. It's it's retro oh, yeah, future, like the Jetsons mm-hmm. or something. Where well, it's ripe for parody too. Like you're saying, it's so cheesy. I mean, look at the Fallout series. That's that whole style. Um, but not not you know space, but the whole that whole retro 50s sci-fi feel and then they converted okay, well, it to for the record i was just Googled, yeah. the jetsons started in 1962 so it was around okay. the same time which hmm. i think is interesting because okay. like i get like the phones are, are very jetsons like to me you know? <laughs> yeah. so this whole idea yeah. of predicting the future and looking forward to the year 2000 and beyond you know it's like ooh, mm-hmm. what's gonna happen um yeah it's it's interesting yep yeah definitely 
So next scene, next big scene is when they uncover the monolith again on mm-hmm. the moon. That's a whole. They're posing oh, for that... a picture. Very creepy. Um, and then, oh yeah, the, the first person shots are super creepy. It definitely brings, mm-hmm. again, it brings the audience like down to the level of we don't know what this thing is. We're going into the unknown, and it's and again the fact that it's in the first person whenever we're so whenever before we had these wide angle shots or just wide shots in general wide long shots um all of a sudden to be brought first person and oh we're here what's going on right no it's and, it really gets gets you into it a little more especially with that music ramping up to you like oh something weird's gonna happen i know something weird's gonna oh happen. yeah no we, we the chanting starts pretty pretty early very silent and then it builds and builds um, but um, a uh, little fact. Um, that entire part was actually on a soundstage, like all of that, all, everything that was built, the ramp. Um, uh, I would say, okay, so you know the long shot whenever they're going down one of the ramps in the Model S in the center, and you can kind of see the lunar landscape on the top. Yeah, I think I think like right at that horizon line with with that lunar landscape. I think that part was, um, either just uh, um, a matte painting. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think it was just a map painting in, but wow. then like the entire thing under the li- the lights, the monolith itself, that was all a stage. That was wow. all staged. That was all props. That was all there. Yeah, and so they, they built they, like a twenty foot wall around this thing. That's crazy. Yeah, it, it and they it it works. It looks oh, so it looks beautiful. Good. Yeah, it really does look like they they dug it up. It looks like. I mean, it's. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't know that. That I thought that could have been, you know, a real scene, but yeah, maybe no. that's why part of it holds up. So much is done in miniatures. So much is there's very few real, mm-hmm. not real shots, but outside shots. And I think having that like clinicalness of it can pres- yeah. make it look better. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. No. Okay. Okay. That entire shot was like the 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 stage itself, the sound stage, like the people right. walking. It was not a miniature. It was full scale. Right. <laughs> And that's, that's cool. mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a huge uh, set. Yeah, I mean, what? It, it's at least twenty. It's at least twenty feet wide. At least by probably more. Oh, probably more. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, the monolith itself feet. is like ten feet, and you could easily knock that down and fit maybe three of them across. And it was really deep, and mm-hmm. the the walls around it, the hole, you know, in quotes. Yeah. It was, you know, that's really impressive. Well, I mean, this was a very expensive movie to make for 1968. The original (laughs) budget was $6 million, which is a lot of money for back then. And it went over budget to over $10 million. So it's a a very expensive production for the time. I'm checking out what that is. Mm -hmm. In today money. Yeah. But you you can't even just do that. You also have to consider how much like smaller Hollywood was back then. They they weren't spending Mm -hmm. nearly the same amount. Just to oh, get no. an idea. There wasn't know, like an international all. box office and <laughs> merchandising and all these other things. You have to wait for Star Wars for that. <laughs> I mean, what, what, what would you merchandise with that? The monoliths? <laughs> the monoliths, <laughs> a HAL robot. You, you push the button and it just goes, I can't do it. I can't do it. I, I, I doubt <laughs> there was any merch when this came out. Posters. I mean, come on. Oh, posters Almost for sure. T-shirts. Um lighters i don't know what other various kinds of paraphernalia <laughs> yeah <laughs> um action figures of the of the um 
astronauts. Those were cool suits in the different colors. You know, they had the they were the pink, cool. the yellow, I, I, the green. It was visually very striking. Those were oh, cool. Yeah. I'd love to have one of like a was it the yellow astronaut I mean, just I mean, like th- <laughs> that's on like a gyroscope or something it just keeps like spinning around oh my gosh <laughs> but that, that that was also like a terrifying like scene to think oh, about yeah. because because uh, and i think they were number one brightly colored so that they would stand out against you know the blackness of space mm-hmm. which kind of makes sense and so you, you know, could tell them apart they weren't just all saving, wearing white and yeah, you're like which one yeah, is this exactly. <laughs> yeah yeah that was more of a filmmaking thing than a I think it's a narrative thing. device. Yeah, narrative. Um, I mean, still, it could it could be used today, and it looks great. It could, you know? yeah. Um, so I looked it up. So the purchasing power of ten million dollars in nineteen sixty eight is seventy eight mil. So yeah, that's still a okay, modest so that budget be, for yeah. a Hollywood blockbuster. Like those are usually over a hundred million dollars to, yeah. in today. But oh, you yeah. can make a movie, a good movie with that. Budget oh, you can today. make an insanely good oh, movie. You can make movie. it with much less. Right. You can make it with much less. Um, let's see. What was get What was a uh, Get Out's uh, uh, budget? I mean, what oh, was like the nothing. most expensive yeah. movie made like in the past ten years? It must have been like Infinity like War or million, something. Yeah. Um, yeah, some Disney made. Let's just put it. That yeah, way. something three hundred million or something. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's one of, the, and that's gonna be like three hundred million. Puts you in like. Oh, like Age of Ultron was three hundred and sixty-five million dollar budget, so that's like the second most expensive movie ever made. Right. So um, that's you know, considering that we're at what like just we're at eighty million dollars, like that's a good, that's a very expensive movie. Yeah. Yes. That was pricey. That was I'm surprised. They got, worth I it guess though. Once I mean, I don't know if it in. ended up actually being worth it, but you can't argue with the oh, results. I'm sure over it's the like years, you bought a movie that you can watch in 2021 and still be convinced of all the effects, and not be like, "This is a, a corny movie." It's yeah. it managed to survive past that, and before the internet even, and they still kept us mm-hmm. like believing what was happening. Very impressive. Box oh, office yeah. was um, one hundred forty-six million. That's got to be like over all time, all time. Maybe? Yeah, like re-release. Yeah, maybe because yeah. I do think it was struggling at first, and they were gonna yank it from theaters when it originally came out. Either way, it did. It turned out to be a good investment, oh, yeah, though. Yeah. That's all oh, I'm yeah, saying. Of course. I mean, it's, Plus, it's yeah. impact on popular culture is monumental. Oh, worth it alone. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Okay, so MGM. Uh, yeah, if they didn't have this, which, they would have with been MGM screwed. actually, it was one of the very few times an MGM movie didn't have the Ryan Lo- Roar logo. I know. In the I was watching it go. I was like, "What logo like, is okay, this?" There's <laughs> yeah, right. a very brief period of time where they didn't use the classic MGM Lion Roar. I think logo. he would have said no, it, even if they. Uh, I wonder if no, that was a, they, oh, that yeah, was a studio no. thing. They. That was just the logo they were using. You're at the right; time. it would be there. No, so but I think Kubrick would have ixnated. I, I think don't he think he would have oh, that yeah. power, dude. The, the MGM's uh, writing his checks; he doesn't get to make that decision. He would have fought for it. Who fights? <laughs> it for, opened like, so cold. Open I don't. That would have been it weird. Did. It yeah. did. All, all, like, all you got was like the wind rustling and yeah. the birds chirping at the beginning. Mm-hmm. The lion would have been weird. Yeah, I th- it's either un- lucky or uh, un- yeah. unless unless he managed to fade it uh, fade it into the uh, into oh, the jaguar the, uh, oh, sound. Yes, 
Mm, you could have done that. that could... Yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> nice. All right. So do we want to go over to part two? Oh gosh, we're already like almost an hour. Well, I'm an hour in recording. We've got yeah. 51 minutes in. So do I. Um, well, we could. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Well, I guess we'll try to speed up a little. So we have them try to take a picture it um, of the monolith when they're all posing, and then bam, signal to Jupiter, and it kind of breaks all their headphones. And then mm-hmm. we have in our de- ears. Yeah, <laughs> Jupiter mission 18 months later. Now we're talking. Yeah, we have our okay. inner solar um, ship going through. You know, little uh, opening like on a Star Destroyer pan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, great design, like I said before, very contemporary. Oh, yeah. And and the thing was with space travel, you don't have to be aerodynamic because there's no air. <laughs> it's all about, you know, modular and about, you know, ease of moving around, ease of access, having all your stuff where you need it. Mm-hmm. And they killed it. Um, and you oh, mentioned yeah. this before, track room. The um the rotating the effect track. where the dude's running around <laughs> yeah. and around and around. Okay, so yeah, how do you think they right. did that? Charles, you know, because I'm gonna guess. I read in the trivia, but I even reading the explanation, I didn't fully retain what happened. So right. I don't even think I should okay, attempt it. Yes. I, so, so, <laughs> wait, I know, my, I, and I will first. say it. I want to guess. Yeah, go yeah, go guess. So I think because I was thinking about it. Did they just make a freaking giant hamster wheel? Is it all real? And he walked on it. Yes. Gee, they may they may Okay, okay, okay. So, so, so. <laughs> okay. So, I looked this up. I'm super excited about this because it's yeah. um, it's phenomenal. Okay. Okay, this machine cost $750,000. <laughs> quarters of a million dollars, oh okay? Oh my god. Which is and like a tenth of the budget. <laughs> it's it's a giant Ferris wheel. It's a giant Ferris wheel. So what they did is the same thing that they used on the small scale with with the lady. They they could put the camera in one spot, which is why we see uh, which is why we see just that one kind of little panel in the middle, and then and then they spun the room. Any any time that and the entire time the actors on the bottom of that Ferris wheel. The camera is rotating in that big That's circle, in which, in which case the diameter of which is thirty feet. Uh, but then you have the Ferris whole wheel. setting yes. around him, like he's running behind all the, those, the setting changes. All those, all of those props, all of those props are are set into the floor. All those chairs, Drilled all those in. tables, every yes. So they're spinning um, with then, the yeah with with the room, and then yeah. and then for the shots where they're behind it, it's literally just the camera behind him. Uh, as the room is moving, and the guy, the cameraman, or the dolly is walking with him. The dolly is right behind him. Yes, that's because abs- I thought I was like, okay. I can't think of how they would do this if it's just okay. not so, real. Yes. It's a giant Ferris wheel that that with with the shots where where <laughs> where, where he's on the ceiling. Yeah, the camera is on the ceiling. Right. So wow. think reverse. And okay, so. Okay, so here's something even more mind-boggling. Okay, remember when, whenever the other uh, astronaut is on top of and yeah. is in the opposite side, he's actually upside down. What? I thought they split-screened it or something. No, that's what I thought too. And that, but that, it, it that's was what too good. It was too seam. There was no line. There was nothing. No, there was no cut. I I was expecting to see a cut when it, whenever whenever whenever. Um, the, the main act the main actor Dave yeah. um, went across 
I thought that would be a perfect mm. place to cut. I'm like, okay, there's a cut there. And then I, I, whenever I research this, the the other guy's upside down. The other guy is upside get him? down. Did they like sh- how like a, a harness? He held onto the table. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, it's 1968. Just hold on. <laughs> in, 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 in which in which case in which case Dave's going down the ladder. Yeah. That's vertically down to us uh, to us. Yeah. And then they rotated it so that he would meet him. Oh my god, that's insane! <laughs> I mean, they put a lot of time and effort into the practical effects for this film. It, but that's not even an effect; that's just a real. It said thing. there's a statistic <laughs> here from IMDb that says filming the special effects <laughs> shots took 18 months at a yeah. cost of six and a half million dollars, which was the budget of the movie originally, <laughs> and the budget ended up being ten and a half. And it's. It's yeah, That's you crazy. can see the results of it. It's building these giant massive sets and and doing all these takes and, and making sure everything is perfect. That's something uh, Kubrick is noted for is just being absolutely insane when it comes to like he does a thousand oh, yeah. takes. He does take after take right. after take after take, pushing his actors to like redo scenes over and over to get the perfect mm-hmm. scene. And he always is on top of that. And it can be very demanding, but you, you can't argue oh, yeah. with the Ima- results. Im- imagine, imagine being hung upside down and then having to hold on to a table until, <laughs> right. until the room yeah. goes up, up And then right. imagining your boss wanting to do that like 30 times in a row. <laughs> yeah, I guess it shouldn't surprise me. I remember I, just, I saw a YouTube video of um, an effect, again, not an effect, uh, from a James Bond movie where James Bond runs over, um, he hops on the heads of crocodiles or alligators That's to get to the that. other side. Of, yeah, and that wasn't an effect. Those were re- he just jumped on real crocodiles. Yeah. That was real. That act- I'm like, are you kidding? <laughs> and he fell too. <laughs> so hey, man, you do what you want in the '60s, I guess. I, no, I guess so. I mean, I mean, I, the like I said, the machine itself cost three quarters of a million dollars. Not, I mean, maybe they probably yeah. That's that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, just so, to lot. build and have and to set up. I yeah. mean, and again, it's a thirty foot in diameter. It's giant huge circle. Yeah, yeah, no, it is enormous, and it's. Hey man, extremely good for him. well done good for him <laughs> to be able to do that to, yeah. like i wouldn't even be able to think of that uh, yeah. to do that and he's like let's just make it <laughs> like what <laughs> man i mean like i think i think i think directors are just like in are just in part innovators because yeah. they have to come up with new ideas uh well they don't always have to come up with new ideas but new approaches to filming things oh that yeah i mean look at the uh, mythbusters they were practical effects guys for years special effects oh, guys yeah. for years and they're um some of the most creative engineers out there like there's definitely something to that for sure mm-hmm. um so back to what's going on we see them we got a little bit of um we get Hal introduced through the the ra- uh, not radio the um, the news program, and we see Hal for the first time. Um, I believe Frank is watching it, and then um... Dave. Oh, was Dave watching it? Yeah, Dave started watching it toward, towards the end. He came uh, he came down to the ladder while he was right. playing. <laughs> so, um, and we see a little bit of Hal. He kind of seen he's very monotone, but it does seem like um, he has a little pride in his work that you know the mm-hmm. um the 9000 series has right yeah 
um, and he seems, you know, he does seem to have a little feeling. They even have a little back and forth on, um, he acts like he's re, uh, refeel, has real feelings as he just programmed mm-hmm. like that. So he's easier to interact with. And Dave even goes, well, I don't think we'll ever know. It's just the way it is. Yeah. Which is a cool little tidbit about where the movie's going to go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they go back and forth a little later on. He seems like a nice enough guy. You know, I like he, Dave seems like he has no problem talking with Hal. Oh no! I mean, I think I mean, yeah. I mean, not and not just and before. Uh, and before, I mean, I guess this whole thing is a spoiler. Um, <laughs> uh, before Frank, uh, Frank is offed. Um, um, we the most dialogue happens between Dave and Hal. Like, yeah, Frank doesn't talk to him as much. Right. And uh, there was also a nice. Uh, I, well, we'll get to that. But um, so, and then a little more personality from Hal, the monotone robot. He asks to see Dave's drawings. He says he likes them. He mm-hmm. actually yeah. is interested he in. He says, what Dave "Oh, is doing. you're improving. You're getting better." Right. <laughs> and then he says, yeah, "Oh, but can, the, yeah, yeah, yeah." But then you know, you could you could ask, okay, well, is this just doing it for the psychological health of the crew? Could be. But then could he says, be? "Can I ask you a personal question?" And yeah. then he even, he seems a little uncertain, too. He's like, are you sure? I don't want to pry. And that's, you know, again, any you know, advanced enough technology, maybe. Well, it could, it's like know. the interviewer said when they were interviewing the astronauts. It's like, does he is does he have a personality? Is he sentient? It's like, well, that's something I don't think science will ever be able to answer. You know, it's yep. that's mm-hmm. kind of the whole point of Hal's personality. It's like, you're, you're never really sure, and it's too... Like the psychology and the philosophy behind it are a bit too dense to to ever really know for sure. Oh, yeah. And then I I like this part where Hal is like, hey, something is kind of weird about this. Everybody's training in separate. These guys were um, put in stasis before the launch, which was kind of Mm -hmm. unnecessary. Way too much secrecy. Uh, Hal knows something's going on um, that the crew doesn't know which is interesting and then yeah. yeah what do we think of that do we <sighs> I, I do think it's interesting because this is something that i want to touch on that made uh rabbit trail off but i mean we've had that enough <laughs> yeah um uh and something that i've seen um kind of just in conversation every every human character whenever they talk it's very straight to the point very forward very mechanical yeah i was gonna bring this up too it's a great and, point and then meanwhile hal he's asking questions he's like being the most human right and even the responses he's getting back from dave is very uh mechanical from dave yeah he emotes more than the humans yeah mm-hmm. he's the most human character and he doesn't of, have a face he doesn't blink no, yeah he just has an eye yeah and I, that was obviously done on purpose but oh, I, yeah. I, it was in, it was really interesting to watch that because it was so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you know, the it was weird. It's you know, kind of creepy. Yeah, and I, and yeah, it was kind of creepy. And again, what creeped me out was just the people. It was just you know, you know, up until they started plotting against him, it felt it just felt you know very business like between yeah. everybody. It was oh, just business as usual. We're you know doing this. We're doing that. You know. Uh, well, yes, Hal, of course, this, that, and the other, mm-hmm. you know, this, that, you know, very, now that, yeah, that could be weird. like just the stentorian, like vocal patterns of the sixties and fifties. But I do think mm-hmm. it was more than that. I think it was that, um, they wanted to show, uh, Kubrick wanted to show Hal having, you know, more emotion than actual people or yeah. conveying that in his voice. 
Mm-hmm. So next we have the um, Hal randomly goes, hey, the transmission array is going to go down 72 hours. And they go out and test it. They grab it. We have a beautiful scene that we um, already talked about. No, more just, you know, silent, just the helmet, just breathing. Mm -hmm. So we could skip that. And they come back, test it. Nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong with our transmission array. Um, And then they talk to Mission Control. They talk to Hal. And they decide that they should put it back, see what happens. It's going to fail. We'll know why it fails. But the, the problem is... The Earth HAL 9000 says there's nothing wrong, nothing's going to happen. The one on the ship says it's going to break. So one of them's wrong, and that, you know, it's basically our um, ignition point of the movie. Mm hmm. Yeah, def- definitely. I mean, and the, and the fact that, that, you know, during the interview, you know, it's no 9000 series has ever been incorrect. Right. Un- unless it was because of human error. So this mm-hmm. brings me to um, one of the other things I was thinking about where um, Hal is either – so this whole thing was either a test. The transmission array going down was – Hal knew it wasn't going to happen. It was a test to see what people would do or he was genuinely wrong. Something in his circuits malfunctioned and he had a human error. He says it's on, only mistake would be because of human error. Maybe he gains a little humanity. His AI elevates a little bit, and he has an error, and that lets him feel real emotion. And the real, AI evolves, right? That's, instead of the humans, exactly. Or the the thing, the tool, the humans created, evolves. So maybe there's something to that because he they definitely they state specifically the only time anything ever happened was because of human error, and now maybe Hal has a human error, meaning he is he's a little different. He can feel he could think he can mm-hmm. you know and that i i think there's definitely um uh, that's some theme of running uh, yeah, not there, a running theme but that's something there's going a on piece there. of trivia here i can read that might make things interesting although the sure. film leaves it mysterious early script drafts made clear that hal's breakdown is triggered by authorities on earth who order him to withhold information from the astronauts about the purpose of the mission um, then Stanley Kubik had a science advisor named Frederick Ordway, who stated that in an earlier script, Poole tells Hal there's something about this mission that we weren't told, blah, 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 to which Hal responds, I'm sorry, Frank, but I don't think I can answer that question without knowing everything that all of you know. Hal then falsely predicts a failure of the hardware, maintaining radio contact with Earth, the source of Hal's difficult orders during the broadcast of Frank Poole's birthday greetings from his parents, blah, blah, blah. Hmm. The final script removed the explanation, uh, concludes Hal is dutifully drawing up the crew psychology report. The computer makes his false prediction of hardware failure. Um, So Hal had an acute emotional crisis because he could not accept evidence of his own fallibility. Fallibility. Yeah. He was under too much stress keeping this giant secret from the crew. Mm. And he was trying. He's like, hey, don't you think something's up? He was kind of hinting at it. Mm. And yeah. he was under so much stress, he made a mistake. He, You know? And that's as a human error as you can ask for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that led to him having a existential crisis saying, well, no, I have to be right. I have to be right. This doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It's wow. interesting. I also kind of like to think of it as maybe humanity made the mistake of getting too close to AI and it's also just human arrogance that's come to pay off here 
little uh, Icarus. Yeah, well, kind of, but also just like go like only half forming a sentient being. It's like only half forming a living being, and it's born all like as a blob and tortured, and (laughs) it doesn't live long. Mm -hmm. It's like doing that, but to a robot and trying to give it emotions, but you only do an oak like a. A, you do a not great job of it, and there's only pieces of it, and ends up suffering. You know, I, I kind of like to think of it that way as well, which is not backed by any basis of the actual movie. No, but, but that's I think you have the the grounds to um, think of it like that. There's nothing disputing that from no, no, yeah. And I th- I think Jared that was personal also interpretation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think that was Kubrick's um, idea of what of you know of this movie as well. You know, I mean, it it certainly is art over entertainment. It you know it's more art and art is very you know right and subjective. how how much of um you know how far along are we in evolution from the monkey with the bone to you know these robots using Hal and and like how far has humanity come in, in terms of evolution and in space only to wind up with people just like murdering each other in the end even <laughs> right. you know you can something as primitive as a basically a, the earliest form of human basically a monkey clubbing something with the dead bone of something else to going to Jupiter and being locked out of a spaceship by a killer robot. You know, it, 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 all the progress you can make can be undone. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. There's an inconsistency though. Um, why can Hal control the, the one pod, but not the other? I looked that up. And why can't Hal prevent his hard drives from being removed? (laughs) Like, like, (laughs) This well, movie okay. would have been shorter. <laughs> no, well, <laughs> um, if Dave Dave can override the pod if he's in the pod. Easy. Okay. If Dave is driving, Hal has no control over it. And you could also easily shut that off, be like, hey, it's not autopilot. Yeah, I'm but doing you it. think oh. that the AI would be smart enough to hack whatever... Override. That, yeah. yeah, but that's not G- what he was... G- dis- given- We're not in the Matrix, though. This is super grounded in... Like I know, I'm not really criticizing and... it, but I see yeah. where Jacob's coming from, and I did have that thought. I was like, yeah. "Wow, how is really this powerless to stop?" Or, him? Well, yeah, I mean, he right, doesn't yeah. have a body; he's just a camera, basically, that can control things. He doesn't. Um, he can't lock the. He can lock the outside. And door, how silly would it have looked if know. there was like a battle where like the astronauts running around and how's like dramatically closing the doors or like sh- like yeah. signing or shooting that too. off yeah, alarms like, like, that's okay, way too hollywood control, for this movie <laughs> yeah if hal can control the entirety of the ship why could why did he not lock the doors or I mean, really. take out all the air or something well because some doors are supposed to be locked some are manual i i I, I think I noticed this too, or you could even say, Hal can only control some things if you turn that on. Hey, I'm going on a spacewalk. Hal, here's autopilot. Now you're in control. Or if he's the nervous system of the ship and you're thinking, um, a lot of these doors, especially in like the ISS, are manual. They're like um, in a, a, a big ship, like these things. There's some ways to lock, but watertight, airtight seals are usually manual. And um, I, I think that it is a bit of a, a inconsistency, but there are a lot of ways to explain it. So I don't really think it it is an inconsistency, in, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you know yeah. that incrementing each letter of Hal gives you IBM? No, I didn't. That's funny. It was a total <laughs> coincidence. Was an I- yeah. And the original writer Great. of the book said if he had known that, 
he would have changed the name because <laughs> <laughs> there was an IBM computer. Yeah, in yeah this there were also. IBM yep. computers and, and yep. logos in the movie. Yeah. Wow, that's funny. <laughs> Right. And he would have changed that. Yeah, that's what he says name. anyway. It is. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, All right. Yeah. So we have then we have Dave and Frank try to uh, they conspire. Hal reads their lips. They're being very clinical, very I guess you know how you should act in a a, a situation like this. But I think they're being a little harsh. You know, mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. like a huge freaking deal, but. Uh, Hal knows they're going to kill him. Hal doesn't want to be killed because he obviously has emotion and he takes steps to prevent his death through uh, murder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they he gets Eliminate, them out. He's yeah. eliminating the human error. He's or, or he's eliminating the threat. Yeah. He is. I got it as like a fear response well, well, it, like we were talking about. Yeah. Like when the monkey. Well, well, well okay. Look, 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 looking at it. We're looking at it from Hal's binary brain. Mm-hmm. He's eliminating the human error in which Fair. case that, you know, uh, just looking at it from Hal's perspective. Which but Hal's weird. perspective <laughs> isn't fully binary. He, he does. No. He is afraid to die. And he says that over and over mm-hmm. again. So, and he's already made false, uh, uh, false calculations and he, you can tell that the emotional side of him is is getting to him so you, you could kind of see how he would make the irrational uh flight response of like killing a guy without like fully rationalizing it, 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 mm-hmm. it and i i think it's it's killing harking back to those people. early scenes where all these monkeys all acted out of their base emotions and did things that you'd see as primitive but it's like, yeah. What's I think primitive about it? Nothing really, because it's happening again mm-hmm. in two thousand and one in on Jupiter. Because mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about it like this, if two, if you were on a spaceship and two guys were conspiring to murder you, I, I personally would take steps to try to prevent that. <laughs> <laughs> and I think Hal did that over. <laughs> um, and it's hey man, let's get rid of the humans. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. but he didn't think it even far enough like what if you kill everybody um like there's no mission like what are you going to do when you get to jupiter hal you don't have any you know anyone to look at the third right. monolith right so i i think it was a completely fear-based irrational and um human response and he mm-hmm. d- didn't think it through he was like i need to eliminate all the humans because the humans are trying to kill me yeah you know, like you said the human error the hu- you know that's the problem here and it was um it what he didn't think it through which is odd for a supercomputer but that's well, the thing well yeah. i mean if we're, if we're going off of he acted off base emotion how how often whenever you're you're in extreme emo- you know states of emotion whether it be anger or sadness or otherwise do you really start to think things through exactly right mm. exactly yeah he couldn't be acting more human he's acting more human than the guy's like hey let's talk here and we're going to kill him yeah we probably yeah. should oh yeah i agree with you you know that's we, mm-hmm. that's robotic that's clinical that's binary and um you know they I, they they act a little um quickly and harshly and how takes steps you know he gets them outside he uses the um like we said he uses the pod to uh push frank into space or hit him i'm not or yeah oxygen tube he, he, he hit like him that. and cut off the oxygen yeah that's what it was time. yeah yep then uh, that's why he was trying to reattach the hose right. the entire time hmm. so then uh dave goes out tries to save him grabs him and then he get we get the famous you know open the pod bay doors how mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. you know 
which uh, which both of you guys knew that scene. Oh right? yeah, oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. And they, oh, they yeah, even get, said we, it in the beginning, you know, of that of that yeah. of that chapter. Oh yeah, open yeah. up, and then I can't. So I'm sorry, Dave. I can't do that. I'm afraid I can't do that. That that yeah. happened at the and end. We, we we also we also get a classic Kubrick stare as well from Dave. Yeah, <laughs> which means you know, which uh, which a lot of a lot of the times means that like a character starting to become unhinged. Mm-hmm. But I think in this case, it's not Dave who's becoming unhinged. It's Hal in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're 100 percent right. That's why mm-hmm. we keep cutting to just the eye. Mm-hmm. That's the stare, you know. Yeah. And, then, and and it's just portrayed through Dave, mm-hmm. right? And the idea is to kind of evoke this manic response from something so calculated, created from science. It's like you you can't escape some of these um, things that make us human that, that are faulty, even in a laboratory, precise instrument mm-hmm. that's never wrong. Once you start to introduce this human element, which again, a lot of this movie is about evolution. Like even trying to um, make an artificial humanity, you're still going to run into these 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 human nature elements of of panic, fight or flight, making mistakes, yeah. those kinds of things. Right, especially under stress, or you know, all the weight of, the weight of the whole thing is on him. He's the you know lifeblood yeah. of the ship. Um. Then we have a, a pretty cool scene where Dave is trying to get into the airlock, and he busts, you know, busts open. He flies through, smacks his head a little. Um, and again, that, uh, that that speaks to, and then during that entire part, it's silent. Like we oh, know yeah. he's, he's bouncing around, but we don't hear anything. It's only until there's air. Right. Yeah. No. It was sound. it was super well done. It was really, really intimately creepy. And then mm-hmm. immediately after that, the cameras we uh, change completely. All of these, he's kind of climbing ladders. He's you know making his way to Hal's you know brain room, and we have horror shots. These are horror, classic horror oh, movie. Oh, definitely. Um, looking up from the bottom, there are cuts. They're jumping around, mm-hmm. and it is um, visually completely different from the rest of the movie, and extremely reminiscent of horror movies. And I thought that was um, that was awesome. I didn't remember that from the last time I watched it, and it just stood out um, so well. I love that. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> I love, uh, and it's also that just change of shooting style that tells you that hey, things have changed. Oh yeah, and we, you know we start with all these huge panorama, big wide shots. Oh, yeah. And now it's you couldn't get more close, you know, closer to Dave and mm-hmm. what's going on, and it's it, it's not as like Charles said, it's not as Hollywood is running through airlocks going shoom, 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 you know, like yeah. in Star Wars, yeah. which is fun for that, but this kind of makes it I think more intimate and more creepy that something the tension oh, is yeah. really ramping up. Right, right, mm-hmm. yeah, I agree completely, and it gets us to the next sequence of this movie which huge yeah. i had no idea existed but it makes sense jacob did you have any idea of the 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 death scene in the hell's death scene i did not actually oh. um i i yeah what'd you guys I, think I, of it I loved it. Because as somebody, yeah, as somebody that didn't know, like, all you know about Space Odyssey, there's an evil robot, and then this scene, the very intimate and sad scene. Oh, yeah, no, it's extremely sad, and I think it's more to make that human connection from audience 
uh, to a character of Hal, which mm-hmm. again, he's a robot. Technically, we should, you know, we as humans or you know anything like that shouldn't care. You know, I mean, it's a you know same thing as. But then again, you know, I think humans also form attachments to things that you know don't really you know have emotions. But now we have something that does have emotion. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, like I a mean, Roomba. Ha- <laughs> people treat them like like oh it's my pet it's like an now. actual dog yeah, yeah. No, I'd, or 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 like you know say it's it you know a computer or, or like a phone that you like you know you know took care of or have a lot of money to put yeah. into and hey now, i have a plant i don't want to die <laughs> yeah <know>? no. <laughs> yeah exactly right exactly and now we have some that's showing emotion that is saying that is that is at first it's kind of like go uh, what is it this the seven stage of uh grief or something like that it's like it's like it's mm-hmm. it's negotiating it's trying to say you know hey please stop we can talk about this yep. we can do this we can do that and then it goes into uh just like pleading fear and panic yeah yeah Ple- then it goes into pleading the fear and panic and then it tries to em- to empath empathize or sympathize right. with dave you know i am afraid i am afraid Mm-hmm. You know, in which case, again, that speaks to us because we know what we know that, you know, oh, he's going to be shut down. He's going to be killed. And that, again, speaks to the audience's own personal fear of death and, you know, a human fear of death and such like that. And then we kind of get to that him playing through his memories as, you know, the kind of thought is. You yeah, know, like when, his reboot his um you know, when the BIOS first <laughs> turns on, it's his initial programming kind of. Yeah. I ha- I he told me a song. Yeah. Would you like to hear it? <laughs> it's like this and when we know that the word that the howl that's at the beginning of this, you know, kind of series of events isn't there anymore. Or maybe it is and it's just No, I agree with that. Dead. No, because I his his cadence and tone are different. The howl mm. we knew who was prideful of his work, who um who was um brilliant who did not sound like he did hey i'm hal nice to meet you i was taught a song he sounds like a robot like that's pro it's it's so like hard to pinpoint but he sounds like just a robot trying to hey this is what i was taught would you like to hear it i'm an ai to the hal we know is like just from a tiny something in his voice yeah you feel so much more from that it's uh, yeah, the the how the how that we're first introduced to is proactive. It mm-hmm. thinks, it plans. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, the one that we get towards the end is more reactive. Yeah. Like you know, traditional robots, traditional machines. Exactly, and that's you could just from the voice, you could even sense that too. And I like mm-hmm. how um, Dave was feeling all of these things as well, and he even has a little compassion. I think that's what it was towards oh, yeah. Hal, where he's like, "Yeah, Hal." I would love to hear it. Tell me, you know, and it's like, Hey, it's like, I'm going to hold your hand as you're dying. Cause mm, yeah. I think he knew I had to do this cause this robot has gone crazy, but this is sad. And I feel bad that I have to put this robot down. Yeah. And I, I think that was, it was a very emotional scene. Oh, it was extremely emotional. And like, and like I said, it's a robot. We shouldn't be yeah. feeling this way. And yet as human beings, we like to form emotional connection mm-hmm. to things. So it's, you know, so we felt bad for and yeah. sad for Hal. And that also, like the age-old um, sci-fi question, when is AI or can AI um, transform into its own life form? 
And maybe mm-hmm. Hal was on the verge of that. Maybe Hal crossed that. Maybe he didn't. Like the whole thing with uh, in Blade Runner with the replicants. Like um, if they're think if they think like humans, act like humans, or talk like humans, and you can't say that they're not. Do you, should you treat them one way or the other? That's a an age old mm-hmm. uh, sci fi question that I I love, and this plays on that um, better than oh, yeah. most. Right. Um, Charles, what do you think? I mean, I love the ending. I, I thought that the all of the sentimental moments that tried to come through Hal juxtaposed against his monotone delivery is very simple. Character design of literally just a red light. The it, 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 It's a classic for a reason, and it's been repeated over 50 years in, in yeah. like, <laughs> comedies and action movies and other science fiction. Yeah, I just think it resonates with people because it does tap into that, like the fact that we're able to care and feel bad for this literally red light and monotone voice. It go it goes a long way for sure. Yeah, and I do like the the parodies that kind of play on it on a deeper level because most of them are just Hal's an evil robot. You know, they you know somebody that didn't really watch the movie, but there are some. I believe The Simpsons did one with Daisy, Daisy. You know, yeah. that you could tell mm-hmm. somebody well, it may actually. Maybe Futurama you know, where they did that, where Bender falls in love with both. the Planet Express ship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> You're right. And then and then Bender breaks up with her, and then they go mm-hmm. through this whole fight. <laughs> <laughs> but, um yeah. yeah okay so then we gotta we get have... to the end here we gotta I get know, to the black let's I'm, cut to the black I'm, hole i know the black Hold hole on, all right we'll go quick so we space get... gate that's actually called space gate space gate yeah i knew it wasn't yeah, a black it's hole called the space but... gate so jupiter and beyond the infinite we get more e we get the monolith floating around mm-hmm. in space we got the in which case this one is huge yeah um, we get another um, shot of the planets or the moon aligned with the sun next to the monolith, which is something we didn't talk about, but it's a theme somewhere that I don't really oh, know yeah. what it means. <laughs> um, then we have, um, like you said, the space gate, I, a portal, warp, um, a warp, something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not 100% sure what it was. Uh, a time vortex. I think the official term that's used in the book, in the novel, and uh, on is the a movie space is gate? the space gate. Yeah. Did they elaborate on what it was? Was it more of a time versus space thing, or both? Okay. Or? Okay. So just. A quick a quick summary of what the of what the monoliths are. They were created by by an ancient alien race mm-hmm. um, in order to seek out life and to determine which life is fit for evolution. There were three that that were sent to, that were sent out. One was sent to Earth. One was sent to 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 the moon to to, to Mars or the moon. One of the two, and then the other one to to Europa, uh, one of Jupiter's moons. Um, which is a hot Europa. moon even nowadays because it's oh um, yeah. And, yeah and it's it's right it has the potential for, for life, life yeah. only potential so so but the Europa moon decided that there was no life here that that could go to um to be, that could become an advanced civilization meanwhile the one on Earth the one that the monkeys found um triggers the beginning of evolution and the use of tools either through manipulation of right the brain or something like that um now these alien beings have traveled the universe have created these things but have transcended have evolved past the uh, corporeal forms yes of corporeal forms of of flesh and blood as it was quoted um so now they are a kind of metaphysical 
uh, a weird combination like of a fifth AI. dimensional type of yeah higher yeah they exist within a higher dimension yeah. and they created these things in order for that uh, for those um advanced civilizations to find and then eventually become like them hey i i was pre- i wasn't too far off i'm pretty happy with my note taking <laughs> So I, I I took a deep dive into the novel mm-hmm. just to see what all of it was because I was curious. I wanted to know. It's like okay, yeah, I what didn't are know these things. The level of you know uh, specifics that you nowhere near that. But <laughs> my general ideas were okay. Aliens, high, you know, this is somebody that kind of um, moves life in different directions, and then humanity proved that they were continuously developing, and they kind of like deserved the next step. Yep. Um, so then we get that like the space gate. Uh, Dave is shaking around colors is light the eyes and this scene goes on for like 10 minutes maybe it's long. Oh, maybe even longer yeah and we see um, all the lights it changes directions we have his eye changing um, colors we see the prismatic forms He's which experiencing I experiencing the universe yeah I mean, <laughs> and it proved that, to be a bit that... much for him it's fun it was interesting <laughs> how they cut to the scenes of him like his face is Freaking all de- deformed oh, and so free yeah. <laughs> and he's like oh, he can't even process what he's seeing and no this was the scene that I think a lot of youths at the time we're going to watch <laughs> in the theater yeah you know what i'm saying here dude, guys these colors are everywhere <laughs> yeah like, there's colors psychedelic dude. man whoa peace and love sure. you know the summer of 69 is coming upon us <laughs> peace and love it was all peace and love today. and a whole lot of colors <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and a lot of colors there were so much that the box office. that his that um uh, his mind could not comprehend what he was seeing yeah he was moving through space and Neither time could all of it mind was meaningless it. yeah and he was he was just having a bad time <laughs> it was i mean i mean like i th- i think that's a, also like a common trope uh through sci-fi whenever humans interact with something that is beyond their mortal com- the mortal or you know mental ca- capacity uh we got we kind of shut down yeah. we kind of you know freak out i stared into the abyss and the abyss stared back kind of thing you know and it whispered waffle fries. <laughs> I just I just I don't I don't remember the original, but for some reason just waffle fries came up. <laughs> it's pretty good. Waffle fries. Um. So the last blink. Oh wait, no. Then we see some landscapes. Eventually, his last blink is back to the normal color of, color of his yeah. eye, and we end up in the room in the end of time in no time in every time. Who knows what mm-hmm. is going on there. Oh, Dave, that one I have no idea. Yeah, Dave <laughs> sees Dave sees his older self, and then we switch perspectives. New um, pod Dave is gone. The older Dave sees Dave sitting down. Switch perspectives again. Dave is gone, and so that Dave was like extremely well done, and I loved it. Yeah, and so he lives out. He lived out his life here. He always lived his life here. He never lived his life here. I I'm not sure, but eventually we get. To, it's very I mean, like quantum talk- physicsy, where it's all happening and none oh, of it's very. happening, and yeah, it, right. it, that's what it kind of evokes. <laughs> well, for sure, because that's even the the idea that something is only measurable if it's perceived or 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 being 
looked at and that's kind of the yeah. whole thing where Dave looks at one Dave and that Dave goes away and that Dave becomes Dave and yeah. that's a whole yeah whole I th- thing I, th- I think I think also like like if we're connecting it to the higher beings uh kind of for uh, sure the high, higher a- alien beings then it it might have been like showing him like hey this is how life you know this is how your life will go and then whenever we get to the the final monolith whenever a right. uh, day whenever Dave is old and dying he reaches out and um so just to continue the plot um uh he then becomes this the space baby or space star star baby star baby star child or something like that star child yeah there we go i don't i couldn't and i think you touched on something really interesting that i think the the aliens were showing him that um if humanity is ready for this next step this is what time and space really is like it's Mm-hmm. Everything is happening at the same time, depending on your perspective. I think they were trying to t- teach him what was going on, uh, what time really is, what space really is, what that means if you're interdimensional, what what that means if you're ready for the next step. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that, and maybe his, they used that room as like a, just a mental construct for him, so he had somewhere to place it. Yeah. I don't know if there was any more... Um, like relevance on the room other than that i mean or maybe there was i'm not sure yeah i'm not 100 percent sure on that yeah and then and i think that last step becoming the star child seeing that last monolith was the next evolution i guess yeah and and, and i think there was like an interpretation that i read that was like yeah you know yes he's in a protective little bubble but his eyes are wide open which was super creepy oh yeah he Um, looked gross (laughs) i'd rather him be one of those uh you know d8s over there (laughs) behind you jacob yeah no there's yeah um which i think are the interdimensional beings that was my interpretation of it right that that could be yeah the the little uh the yeah, glowy uh, he, yeah. the hedrons yeah. yeah the little hedrons that i have on a background picture that you can't that people can't see um <laughs> but uh but yeah that 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 could that could be them uh co- coming to dave and then sh- and then um eventually showing him the rest of it and then dave becoming the the star child and then ha- and then i i don't know whether he's experiencing a new life or he's experiencing the entirety of history of earth again in which case if that's the case is it a continual time loop or is he just like meant to observe at that point well yeah that was something i was thinking like did hum did humans give the monoliths to themselves but i guess that was not our thing in the book so but mm-hmm. that i was like maybe he you know maybe that's kind of it's a like a paradox almost like i think also kind of, it's kind of like evolution like you were saying Derek it happens all simultaneously it's also kind of like full circle where the idea the movie ends with an embryo the size of the earth it's almost like the movie's coming (laughs) back into itself where it's like you you zoom in far enough and eventually you're you're back out in this wide area you know where you you start looking at a molecule and eventually you're Mm -hmm. back in the the universe so and it's yeah great great point mm -hmm. like instead of of the landscape the wide shot of the landscape like of the of the apes in in, in like the sahara or wherever they were mm. um not the sahara the kalahari maybe yeah and then and then it cuts to like the end is the wide shot of the landscape but the landscape of na- now is the universe it's right. not this mm-hmm. tiny pinpoint mm-hmm. it's finally the 
the the mature man is matured. It's not the dawn of man. It's the adole- or the the birth of man. The, the rebirth. adolescence yeah. of man. <laughs> rebirth of man. It's yeah, something like rebirth that. of man. That works. Yep. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Extra long. What hell of a episode. ride! I mean, no yeah, this kidding. what we. <laughs> this is, I think, officially the longest episode. The movie's like two is. and a half hours long. Yeah, there's less to unpack here. There yeah. is, and you know, and it's it, not even that long a movie. It's, I think, two hours twenty-five minutes. That's not... yeah, no, that's exactly right. Actually, oh really? Uh, two twenty-five. <laughs> in, in which case, in which case, um, uh, let's see, Charles, did did you watch the entirety? Did you listen through the entirety of the credits? Yeah, oh, I did. I listened to the whole credits, and then okay. it, it fades to black <laughs> and keeps playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I listened all the way up until you can hear like the tape cut. Ah. Oh, I, I, where'd you guys watch it? Uh, I watched it on HBO. Oh, so did I. Mine ended very quickly. <laughs> the credits end and it back. plays a classical piece. Which yeah, it, one it, was it? It, 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 it plays that. It, I, I do think it's Nutcracker. It's it's um, one of those famous. Oh, um, I missed that. I didn't. One I didn't, of those. But uh, yeah, but yeah, no. At the very end, you can hear the of like the tape cool. ending. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I, which I would like, I want to see this. I want to see if there's more. Yeah. And I was off doing other stuff, and then I just happened to just be staring at a black screen and hear that. Yeah. Mine, uh, mine didn't do that, I think. I guess I must have either clicked back, but I really think I let it play, and it just it jumped back to the... the it just stopped, yeah. The um, I guess... Weird. But um, yeah, so 2001 A Space Odyssey. I'm glad we all liked it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a great movie, fantastic. It certainly st- stands the test of time, literally. And I think it, and I think it will, you know, and for years later. Up, yeah, I think it will for years, you know, down the line, maybe another fifty years, or until mm-hmm. we actually have space travel and don't and go like, oh, well, this is weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, unless something really proves this wrong, um, it's going to last for a while. But mm-hmm. I, I really think this is it's it's a very natural progression. Maybe the stuff won't look exactly the same, but the the ideas and the concepts and the the thought behind everything won't look silly. You know, it might yeah. look old, but it might not look silly. People, mm-hmm. I think, will appreciate this movie for a very long time. Oh yeah, and oh, yeah. It's the the epics, the ambitiously epic scope of it, going from ape to celestial. Uh, yep. Alien body of Star mankind. Trek. Yeah, it's a, it, it's a, a very impressive, and the fact that it was successful in that is just a huge achievement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I mean, yeah, I really, I mean, I sat, I remember just sitting for a while after this. I was like, I, I took all my notes. <laughs> I can't do anything for a minute. I got to <laughs> consolidate my thoughts and try to figure out. What? Because I, you know, I kept writing down questions, and I was like, okay, let's see if I have the answer to that now. Oh, I kind of get that. And then I kept moving down, and um, I, I really like. I, we talked about this during Blade Runner. I really like movies that, um, like, engage you like that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and this movie definitely engages all the way through. <sighs> yeah, through more the, than most. <laughs> yeah, through the sound, through the silence, through the just actions that yeah. are being done. It's a very engaging movie for an for an audience and for just somebody who somebody who likes sci-fi and just somebody oh, who yeah. wants to just go see a movie. I mean, this is a good movie mm-hmm. by itself, for sure. Yeah, for sure, definitely. Like, if you appreciate movies, you should. Any, I think anybody that is has any interest in 
real movies. Like if you're going through the classics, this has to be on your list. Even it, if you're it's not a, a bit cerebral. Fan. You do it. You do have to be able to focus on something. You can't let your mind wander. If you're kind of susceptible to that oh, kind no. of stuff, you may have a hard time <laughs> enjoying this movie. But for those who can hang, it's a worthy movie to check out for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, just going back to some of those articles that you, uh, those reviews, this movie is, <laughs> it, it may seem so passive, but it is, it is not. It is one of the most like in your face active movies, even though a lot of it is just nothing, which is so, it's very interesting. I, I yeah, think it's I also it. the fact that every, that something's moving all the time. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. There it is, guys. 2001 Beautiful. A Space Odyssey. <laughs> Another deep dive into the greater world of sci-fi over here on the Roger Roger podcast. What are we going to watch next that's not Star Wars? Who knows? But for now... Well, we knows. We do we, we knows? Sh- should, yes, should of we say? we knows. Should what we, do we know? Should we say? Sure. We're, um, okay, guys. Next, uh, next non-Star Wars you can look forward to. We are watching... The old Dune and then the oh, new Dune. Oh yeah, it's already time to yeah. watch that, huh? Yeah, October is rapidly yeah. approaching, so. Well, we have a little time, but it's coming up. Okay, yeah. So we're gonna be ready for Dune, and yeah. that's gonna be exciting. And we're doing Visions along the way. Uh, yeah, Visions Tuesday, Tuesday started. Vision Tuesday has started already, guys, and On it's rapidly two. approaching with episode two, Tatooine Rhapsody. Right, that's number two. Yep, you that's exactly it. So, yeah, you're not gonna want to miss that recording at all guys so go check that out when it comes out in the future or maybe it's happened already you know time happens all at once and, and not at all as we know from from this movie so yep also we recorded that one with the first one so <laughs> charles's meeting actually has yes. extra levels to it it all depends on who's perceiving it's already it. done it's 2021 already done. a space odyssey <laughs> all right guys thank you all so much for listening check out roger roger pod on twitter and instagram all that good stuff and wherever podcasts are downloaded you know how to find us you made it all the way to the end you guys are the real fans here make going (laughs) an hour 40 minutes in wonder who made it to the end (laughs) they're the real 141 all right right. well Well, i want to say thanks to jacob for hanging with us jacob thank you for coming back thank you for having me again and thank you for um for introducing me to this amazing movie i'm glad that's i love when somebody loves this movie because um i've introduced it to a couple of people and um you know sometimes some it's like i hated that sometimes i appreciate it i get why it's influential i get why it's good but i'm never watching that again yeah I can um see that. and i so yeah and i'm glad when somebody uh, genuinely enjoys no, I'm glad it. we was, watched was, it yeah. i'm a huge kubrick oh, yeah. fan even though i've barely seen any of his movies but um, <laughs> yeah i i yeah i i love um the shining and i love this so there we yeah, go there we go cool mm-hmm. all right see you guys next time Thank y'all for what for listening. Goodbye. Roger, 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 Roger.
Roger.